John the Viking Mauser here with the Get Strong or Die podcast. Today my guest is Terry Rady. Um, you might know him from the popular hashtag, I hate Terry Rady. Now, I personally don't have a reason to hate Terry Rady yet, but um, you'll have this whole episode to change my mind. Well, I'm going to do my best, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so let's get started with um, a brief uh, history of, of the man, the myth, and the legend here. Um, what, uh, what did you do um, uh, athletic-wise uh, before Strongman? Um, in high school, I wrestled and ran track. Okay. Uh, and played soccer a little bit. Um, and then I boxed for a few years, but other than that, I mean, that's just pretty much the only athletic stuff I do, besides like playing some intramural sports here and there, but... Cool. That's it. Yeah. Um, so when was the first time you picked up a barbell then? Oh, man. Uh, the first time I seriously picked one up was probably uh, like nine years ago. I'd say that's when I seriously picked one up. Uh, me and my best friend, who's still my best friend and training partner to this day, um, he's the only one that's been consistent, Nick Belowski. He actually, uh, him and I used to go to the gym while we were in college and we would drink all night, wake up at 8 a.m., drive 45 minutes to the gym and just still drunk, squat, max out two a days. I mean, we were going to the gym squatting in the morning and doing chest at night five days a week, six days, seven days a week. It didn't matter. And then uh, then we started, like, learning about programming and, like, dwindling it down and focusing. So about nine years ago. Nice. So how long after that until uh... – did you start competing? Um, I would do one show that was unsanctioned every year at my gym, and that was um, Core Fitness Club. And I think my first serious contest is when I was twenty-four. All right. So, like strong, like like sanctioned, you know, big deal. Cool. And uh, how old are you now? 27. Oh, okay. So that's not too long ago then, huh? Yeah. So, like, I mean, I had, did, I had done shows, but, like, first sanctioned serious show where like, we trained for it and, like, buckled down and all that stuff was, you know, three or four years ago. Um, and, and you went on to win um, uh, one of the world's competitions at uh, 105 kilograms, correct? Um. No, I won 90 kilo, World's Strongest Man. 90 kilo. In, okay. uh, yeah, in 2016. Uh, 2017, I placed six at 105 Worlds, but I had only actually, I was the only guy there that if they would have weighed in after, I would have still been under 105. <laughs> um, so placing sixth, I was, you know, pretty satisfied with that. I'd only been a 105 since June, and the contest was in December. Cool. I mean, the past June was my one-year anniversary of being a 105 kilo strongman. Wow. So, so you're not a big, um, a big weight cutter then? Uh, I just don't have the size yet. I mean, I'm waking up now around like anywhere from 227 to 240. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to have to start cutting weight eventually, but it's, it's the biggest thing for me has been just filling out the class. That's what it is. I mean, just growing into it because I'm, I'm a mesomorph naturally. Like it's hard for me to hold weight and like, you know, that, that's why, you know, I'll go to bed at 2.43 and wake up at 2.35 the next day. Yeah. So it's just filling out the class for me. 
Uh, so do you have any um, aspirations of going 265? Oh, dude, if I'm if I'm uh... If I'm done at 105, we're, we're making the leap to three, man. I'm a quantum leap over 300. <laughs> like, I'm going to be walking around like Demitar Sabatinov. I mean, I'm just going to have chins everywhere. There you, you know go. What I'm saying? <laughs> That's the only way to do it, right? Absolutely. <laughs> All out. I mean, hell, look at Kearney. He was like, uh, he was like, screw the 105s, you know, because Rob's a 105 pro. Mm -hmm. And he said, screw the 105s and just made the jump. But I think he bumped up from like 250 to 300 in a year flat. I mean, he was, he was cooking now. Yeah. <laughs> so like, you know, that's why I tell people, if you're going to jump to that heavier weight class, you got to commit. Yeah, yeah. You know, you got to commit to that stuff. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, that's basically what I did. I When I started, um, man, and I, I've been competing for, I think, 12 years. Um, and when I first started, I think I weighed like 250. And um, so I was always in like the 265 class, but... There wasn't a lot of two sixty fivers, so I would yeah, I would be three hundred anyway, and um, yeah, and then I chased, I, I just you know gained weight and chased everybody to three hundred and said, screw it, if I'm going to be there, I'm be there. And you can still do the splits. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm three forty now because when I went to three hundred, all the three hundreds in the area went above three hundred, so so it's just been a, I've just been chasing them basically, body weight wise. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I can't imagine, man. I, I get out of breath and I'm sweaty and everything walking around at 240. I can't imagine 340 on me. Oh, it's, it's pretty miserable. <laughs> I'd be like that. I'd be like that um, Violet out of uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Just roll me down the hallway. <laughs> you know, yeah. That'd be me. <laughs> God. So uh, tell us about the, uh, the Arnold this year. Oh, man. What a fun show. Um, so it was two day, or it was actually three days. Um, they had two events each day, which I wasn't a fan of because they would have us do an event to start the show like early in the day, and then they would let the women or the disabled athletes compete for the whole day, and then we would have to do our second event like six hours later. Yeah. But overall, I mean, it was a good show. Um, the events, the the judging was a little inconsistent. Um, but like I said, with two days, with two events each day, it was so easy to recover. And then, uh, you know, I'd, I'd warned Jordan Donaldson. He's a good buddy of mine. He's out of Illinois. I'd warned him. I said, don't let me make day three. Because if I make day three, you're going to lose. And he knew that. And as soon as they announced it, and they said fourth place Terry Rady. He knew I made day three. And he was like, damn it. You know? Yeah. Because <laughs> it, uh, it was the log. It was clean and press the log twice. And then Axel deadlift 585 for reps. Mm-hmm. Those were my two best events, you know? Yeah, yeah. And then it was a stone series, and I'm better at a stone series than I am over bar. I like incrementally getting heavier. I feel like my body can, like, handle it better than using the same weight over and over again. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, made day three and then won both the events and got my pro card. Now I'm getting ready for ASM. Very cool. So what was, um, what was like, a, uh, the training period like for the Arnold then? Oh, it was brutal. Um, so the Arnold was actually the first show I've ever done a circus dumbbell in. Actually, I think I had one in a show like a few years ago. But the Arnold was my first show at the circus dumbbell. And uh, I went into training 12 weeks out and hit 180 for barely a single. Like mm -hmm. I barely hit 180. 
to hammering the dumbbell and then hitting 10 of the contest that one hit. 10, 10 reps. That's yeah. Some, that's some good progress. And you said 12 weeks. Yeah. So three months. It's, basically. It, that's the thing. I, I, I had to have someone, uh, my coach, Mike Nestel explain to me the, the process behind, you know, and he, he was one of the best circus dumbbell pressers. Cause he's a, he's a ASC pro too. He's a lightweight pro. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best circus dumbbell pressers ever, especially in our class. And, um, you know, he said, there are some crazy good log pressers that can't, I mean, look at Eddie Hall, that can't do crap on the dumbbell. It's right. not a press. You know, it's not a press. And that, and once I realized that, I was like, oh my God, he's right. It's a, it's, it's honestly all let yeah. your arm just has to catch it. So when I focused on that and just like punching my bicep to my ear and really catching it over my center of gravity, it was game over. I mean, you know? Yeah. I think, um, of the, of the presses, and uh, may- maybe some of the way that people are doing the keg now might might uh, this might apply to as well. But I think of the presses, the circus dumbbell is probably the one that requires the most um, skill. Like you can kind of get away with muscle and a lot of the other uh, presses, you know, unless you're doing a jerk or something, obviously. But um, the circus dumbbell, it, there's a certain amount of skill required to it, and each um, each model of dumbbell is is vastly different. You know, if you get a hold of a log, a log is a log, um, an axle is an axle, but if you get a hold of a, a Bartos bell is way different than like a beast metals, uh, dumbbell. Absolutely. Yeah. And I'll, I'll, I'll say, um, in the past, whenever they first started using the stone of steel, I was really critical of the Bartos stuff. Um, because I didn't like using the stone of steel, uh, I always felt it was too straining on my biceps. Um, but then whenever, you know, as it had stayed on the market longer and people and as well as Michael over at Bartos had learned, um, we can use things like spray tag now. And, you know, if you, pro- if you know how to properly apply the spray tag, it's stickier than a regular stone with mm-hmm. regular tacky. I mean, it, you, you won't move. So, you know, now, I, I love the Bartos stuff, and that Bartos dumbbell, back to the original point, that Bartos dumbbell is one of the best dumbbells I've ever used in my entire life. Yeah, I... I mean, I I, I almost stole one from it in the arm, and I was like, Michael, you better hide all of the dumbbells <laughs> back with me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a huge fan of the Bartos um, dumbbell. Um, I, mean, I Even the look of it, I just I just prefer that um, old-time circus look. That, yeah, oh, oh, for sure. That's, a, that's an awesome look. Yeah, it, it's for some reason it's more visually impressive to the eye, and uh, I think it's um, I think the way that most people use that dumbbell uh, is more of a legitimate um, press. Some of those dumbbells you got, you know, the people stack the bell clear up on their face, and they're just doing yeah. like a, a wrist flick and duck under. <laughs> and yeah, you can't do yeah, that with the Bartos can't bell. Really do that. Artist, no, 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 yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta have some uh, serious shoulders to uh, to get that thing, uh, you know, moving at least the first few inches, you know. Absolutely, I will say that his log, I do like his log. I know there's a lot of people out there who said they don't like it because it's like top heavy or whatever, but from what I've learned and what I've seen, if you're good at log press, it's just yeah. the log, you know. You know, and I feel like the people who make the most excuses on that log are the ones who just get a log press. But 
I liked that log. I mean, at the Arnold day three, I mean, I threw that thing up. It felt like nothing. It was supposed to be like 285 or 290. And I mean, it was, it's a great log. It's really easy to press. Now, had you used um, that model log uh, at all before the Arnold? Uh, I had went out to Lightning Fitness in Connecticut, uh, Matt Mills' gym, yeah. and brained it once. I pressed it like once. I think I strict pressed it once. Uh, but um, other than that, just warming up behind stage at the Arnold with it and getting used to it. I mean, like I said, if you're, if you're good at log press, picking up and cleaning and figuring out, like, and it takes you like maybe three or four clean presses to figure out how to get the log where you need it on that certain type of log. Um, and then, you know, from there, it's just prep, you know? Yeah. I'm actually glad you said that because this is one of the big, um, the big things that happens every year, like right before the, any of the big shows, like nationals is coming up and you'll see people in a panic because they don't have the exact, uh, equipment, you know, and, and I remember specifically leading up to, um, I think, I think it was the Arnold, uh, leading up to that event and they were using the Bartos log. People were in a panic because the handles are, are, um, like an inch wider on each side than, than most other yeah. logs. And it was like a huge people were, I mean, they were literally throwing a fit online about this and, uh, it, it never fails, man. And it's more at like, you don't hear it as much about like the Arnold because everyone that makes it to the Arnold generally has a pretty good background in the sport already. And they realize equipment's equipment, mm-hmm. but at nationals, absolutely. I mean, it's, I don't know how many times, I mean, that's probably why the hashtag I hate Terry already started. I mean, me just like losing my shit and just saying, you know, hey, how about you just pick it up? Right. Oh, like, I mean, just pick it up. It drives me crazy. I mean, you can make all the excuses you want, but at the end of the day, if you biff it because it's a different piece of equipment, then you didn't train right. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I try to tell, you know, I, I train a, a decent amount of people and I, you know, I try to convey that message to them and, People will ask me online, they'll, they'll message me and ask me about stuff, and I always tell them, you know, like, at the end of the day, the strongest person's going to walk away as the winner, you know. Um, unless there's some, you know, there are some exceptions to that probably here and there, especially in the top, you know, the top echelon of, of uh, you know, the competitions or whatever. But most of the time, 99% of the time, the strongest person's going to get the first place win. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that that's what I try to stress into my clients. You know, it's, you know where you're, like, mentally you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But you try to execute everything to the best of your ability because if you can compete to the best of your ability, you'll always be tough to beat. So, I mean, it's, it, it's just stress. It's stressing people that equipment doesn't matter. Just pick it up, do the best you can. And that, that'll make you tough to beat. But just worrying about, oh, I don't have the Beast Metals Farmers. All I have are the Bartos Farmers. I'm never going to get good. Well, they're both, you know, farmers are farmers. Yeah. I mean, I've been training with the Big Dog Farmers for years. And Big Dog Farmers aren't the easiest farmers in the world. They're long. They're, you know, they're really rectangular. They don't have any openings. So it's like, it's like you're carrying two giant suitcases. Mm-hmm. And I've never on a farmers i mean i never touched the bartos farmers until the contest and it was a lower pick but if you want to make an excuse though well, i was training on farmers handles that had a higher pick than whatever okay <laughs> what do you think 
Yeah. Uh, but, but you hear that, you hear that, um, all the time. I mean, and one of the things I tell uh, my people is when in doubt, use the, the more difficult equipment, you know, I think, Absolutely. I think a lot of people have a tendency to go the other direction cause they want, they're looking for the numbers and they'll, they'll get the farmer's handle. They can carry the most weight on, but I think you should go the other direction. And then at least if it's really hard in training and then you go and you luck out and it's easier. Well, it's easier. <laughs> well, yeah. So, for instance, on that, like, um, we had that side handle car deadlift at Worlds last year, and that was one of my better events. They actually didn't count me for two reps. If they would have counted those reps, I would have tied for first. But the judge was, he was European and very cynical to any American athletes. Um, <laughs> but we'll get into that another time. Um, but he uh, was giving up and down commands, which I think is a joke. It should be a down command, but I mean, the way I've always said it to people, if you can bounce a car deadlift, that's fine. Everybody has that ability if they just learn the technique. But my whole thing is if you mistime that bounce, you're, you're screwing yourself because that's that's a lot of energy you just wasted pulling you back down. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, but going back to the point, uh, before Worlds, you know, it was a it was an awkward height. I can't remember what the height was, but I just trained it from a deficit. You know, I ended up training the handle pick at like nine inches, and the handle pick was really like twelve. Oh wow! And then, you know, it was way—it was harder in training. Just train harder. I mean, yeah. whatever excuse you want to make for why you lost an event, okay, train harder next time. Oh, I mean, yeah. I had a state i had a client, Stacy Mallar, who just competed at East Coast Strongest Man and Woman this past weekend. Yeah, yeah, uh, and. You know, she's only done big shows, and she went in there. She competed to the best of her ability, and then she won the farmers. She won the max deadlift. Um, the way they did the judging, I thought it was kind of, eh, but um, she did good on the cake for height. She did. She didn't do great on the press medley, but she did to the best of her ability, and she ended up getting fourth out of like fifteen girls. You know, and she bombed one event. You know, yeah. So it was. She did it to the best. Hmm. She uh, she did good. Yeah, I actually um, uh, followed her as they, as they were posting those videos. She did a really good job, and um, her and um, Jake Reynolds both came down uh, to Viking one day. Um, you know, like a week or two, or it must have been like two weeks before that competition to use the uh, Bartos keg and dumbbell. Yeah, didn't she break the cake? <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, yeah, yes and no. I think it was, um, <laughs> I think it was about to happen anyway. But uh, yeah, the uh, the top um, top uh, loading piece broke, yeah. <clears throat> but uh, they actually, they replaced it very quickly, so. Yeah, that's that's funny as shit. Um, she actually told me about that. She was like, I was doing the cake for heights and I... I broke their keg on accident, and I was like, "Stacy, jeez, average." Now, they're they're two they're two of my favorite clients. I love them. I coach them both, and they're awesome. I mean, Stacy is a workhorse, and so is Jake. Yeah, you know, I could I I could tell Stacy to go in and do one thousand calf raises, and she'd be like, "Okay, I'll do it later." You know, <laughs> she you you write it down. She'll do it. She's a killer client, and Jake, he's just one of my you know best buddies. So he's this super strong and dumb and goofs off. So he's, I don't know. 
texted me. He's like, I don't even feel like working out. I just feel like loading all Stacy's weight. And I'm like, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, he was actually on my uh, team this year at the team championships. We did. Um, did you guys that? Uh, we got second place. Yeah, he, I remember him telling me he was like going against Benny Furman on the log press and ended up beating Furman on the log press. And I'm like, well, Jake, you could probably beat everyone strongman when it comes to something for reps. <laughs> I mean, his, his press is insane. Yeah. You know, I mean, I hate his short arms. <laughs> He's got those T Rex arms. Yeah. Yep, T Rex arms and power, man. That's uh, the presser's game. <sighs> I'm like right. In- like I've got perfect arms for press, but I've got good arms for deadlift too. I'm right in the middle. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, you're saying you don't really, you're not too concerned about the equipment in the shows. Uh, what about um, the competitors? I know a lot of people um, stress out about that. They'll be they'll be reading the roster and looking who's there, and they'll be worried, and they'll watch videos of the people that are uh, that are going to be there. Do you do any of that? Are you concerned with what the other people are doing or? I used to until, like I said, I had the, you know, the talk with my coach, you know, he's like, dude, just do the best you can. Like be be robotic, do everything how you did it in training. Don't try to change anything and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to stress out over competitors, but I mean, especially at this level now, I know where everyone is because we're all really good friends, you know, in the pros. Mm-hmm. And like, I just, I know like if there's a max deadlift, it's going to be between me, Furman, and Sean. I'm not going to stress out over what they're hitting because, you know, I'll, you know, barring in the injury, I at least got top three. Right. <laughs> you know? So I can't just stress over, oh, you know, th- oh, this guy's coming. Oh, you know, I know where everybody's at. That's why I'm dreading ASM with that Max Axel deadlift. Ugh, Sean's probably going to win that stupid event, too. He never <laughs> lets me win it. <laughs> yeah, and I think there was a... Um... There was a book, I think it's called With Winning in Mind, and it was written, uh, I think, back in the 70s. Um, I might be getting that wrong, but a guy went around and interviewed a bunch of uh, Olympic athletes and um, asked them what, you know, about their competitors and if they, how much attention they paid to them. And, and it was pretty unanimous across the board that they said they weren't too concerned with what they were doing. They were just showing up and, and doing their best at each thing, and that's all you can do. That's all you can control. There's no point in uh, stressing out over, you know, who else is going to be there and what they're doing. Well, and that's the thing, man. I mean, if you're going to stress yourself out, you're putting you're putting unnecessary like stressors onto your body, you know, that and, and your body's going to release hormones and chemicals based on those stressors. And if you're stressing yourself out for something you can't control, you're just basically wearing yourself down for contact. Like there's no point. Yeah. So I, I, I think the last time I worried about other competitors was maybe uh, the North American Log and Deadlift Championships in 2016. Um, after that, I, why am I worried about things I can't control? Yeah. You know, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, it is, but, I mean, it's, I think, yeah, and, and the amateur circuit's a little different from where you're at now, but uh, I think that's like a big concern on the amateur circuit, especially when you see people going into nationals, I see posts all the time, like, oh, so-and-so just got their invite, or so-and-so just, you know, clicked that they're going, or whatever, and 
they're all in a panic about it, but it's like, you know, <laughs> what, what can you do about it? I mean, you can either go or not. It, the nothing in between is going to matter, you know? Right, exactly. And I mean, I, I don't know how many times I just stress to my clients, why are you worried about them? Like, are you scared? Are you afraid you're going to lose? Like, what's wrong with losing? It took me four years and 10 days to win a contest. Like, the first, like, contest I actually trained and got serious for, got my butt kicked. And then, you know, just kept getting my butt kicked. My first win, you know, was in mid-2015, mm-hmm. you know. And that's because I'd start taking things more seriously. But, like, before that, every contest, like, whether it be unsanctioned or whatever, um, I always got whooped, you know. And it's whatever. I mean, I'm not going to. I don't know. I just it just it takes a long time, and I, I don't think people understand that. They're afraid. Oh, I'm going to lose. It's like, who cares? Yeah. Learn from it. Get better. Oh, you know what events you did bad on. You know what events you did good on. So go in and hammer things to make those events better. Like, you know. Yeah, I think um, <clears throat> I don't know why. I think there's a mentality with a lot of people that's like this. Uh, well, I'm not going to do it if I'm not going to win. Mentality. It's like, well. You know, if if it's that easy for you and you're just going to go and win all the time, I mean, to me, it wouldn't even be worth doing. You know what I mean? Uh, dude, that, that, like, first event anxiety is the best feeling. Like, I mean, when your first event hasn't started, you're just like, oh, oh, boy, here we go. You know, and you're, you're, the energy's flowing, adrenaline's through the roof. I mean, I love it. And, and I think people that are um, uh, what was I, say? I think the people that are um, worried about only winning and stuff like that that's not a competitive mindset that's not like a winner's mindset right. oh I'm only good if I can win winner people people that succeed in any sport want a challenge mm-hmm. they they want someone there to push them they want someone there to like you know keep that anxiety hot oh if I do something wrong they're going to come behind me and get me but if you're only going to do a contest because you want to win then you that your dreams are fake you really don't have any thought being right. the best at this you know oh yeah i, I agree 100 percent. but but you see it a lot um <clears throat> yeah i mean you i i see it all the time uh people will post about it or whatever and it's a lot it's the mentality of a lot of new people too people that are just coming into the sport usually somebody from like powerlifting or something will come over and well, I don't want to do this strongman show unless I'm going to win, and then they'll try to cherry pick some event or competition or whatever. And yeah, it has like a squat, a bench, and a deadlift. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the uh, the ever so popular strongman bench press. <laughs> Dude, we had it in the contest one time. I'll tell you. I tell you what, I didn't win that event. <laughs> Phil wouldn't win that event. I think I'm the only person in the world whose overhead press almost maxes over his bench. <laughs> there you go. Not proud of it. <clears throat> so, um, tell us about uh, America's Strongest Man coming up. Oh, man. ASM's going to be a blast. So, it's in uh, Long Beach, California, September 29th, which is actually my birthday. Um, oh, nice. September 29th and 30th. Uh, the events are Axle Clean and Press, or no, I'm sorry, Log Clean and Press, 
uh, yoke, farmer's carry, uh, stone over bar, and max axle deadlift. And it's all pretty light, right? Absolutely not. So <laughs> it's a 300-pound log clean and press each rep. I wish it was more because I just hit 310 clean and press each for five sets of three easy in the gym the other day. So I wish it was heavy because nobody wants to do like eight or nine reps on anything. Um, then it's a 360 farmers per hand, 900-pound yoke, max axle deadlift, and then a 380 stone of steel or a 420 trump stone of steel over bar. Now, I've heard that the trump stone, the reason they call it the trump stone is because it just hurls insults at any uh, Mexicans and also liberals hate it. So <laughs> I think that's why it's called the trump stone. <laughs> All right. Wants to support everyone. <laughs> so is uh is this event going to be um, live streamed or anything? Do you know? Uh, I'm sure Dion will come up with something. Um, I think she would be silly not to capitalize on that opportunity. Um, so I don't I don't know. You might have Flo Elite or someone out there. Um, but cool. other than that, I would love for it to be live streamed because I mean, there's going to be. Um, there should be a decent-sized turnout for ASM this year, especially for the lightweights. Uh, I think a lot of the newer lightweights might come, like Joe Grossi um, and Nate Bowling. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and then Sean DeMarinas will be there. I'll be there. Hopefully Anthony Furman, Nicholas Canby, Johnny Wasico. Um, so there, there's going to be a lot of 105 pros that actually show up this year. Cool. Um, so, yeah. Uh, Tom and Toffus will be there. I mean, I think the last show he did was Worlds, and then before that, he really hadn't done much um, because he's got a family and stuff now. But he's an old pro, um, so yeah. I mean, it, it'd be it's going to be fun. So on the um, amateur circuit, most competitions are done one day, but a lot of the um, the pro stuff and you know the Arnold and all that is done over the course of several days. Is there anything that you do? Um, different to prepare for that kind of situation? No, absolutely not. Um, I, I try to, I mean, the things that have benefited me most of my training is try to keep rests under two minutes. Um, and, and a lot of body accessory work and muscle endurance work. So I think that that pays off in terms of like, you know, especially contests that are spread for days. Um, you know, I don't get a sore and fatigue this quick. I mean, like I said, my day three at the Arnold, I felt fine. I was fresh. So. Cool. Do you do anything um, in between days? Uh, like, you know, after you competed on, let's say, Friday, and then you got to go again on Saturday, do you do anything in between? Yeah. So I, I don't cheat or eat off diet after the contest. So I'll, every meal will still be the chicken and rice. Um, if, it's too, if it's over two days, I'll try to eat more like I don't typically eat during a contest but I'll try more like granola and peanut butter sandwiches with potato bread and drink carbolin stuff like that and like really keep my carb intake kind of high through the first day mm-hmm. um, so that way for day two my energy levels you know will be like more consistent rather than just eating a bunch of carbs after the contest um, so yeah when, when spreading it out I think Diet and rehydration is the most important thing. So, you know, during the contest, I'll hammer Pedialyte and salt and potassium and stuff like that. And then after the contest, I'll try to drink like, you know, a liter and a half, two liters of um, 
like Gatorade G2 or, you know, any, even water, I guess. Um, but just add a lot of salt, a lot of uh, new salt, which is pure potassium. Yeah. And I add my water after the contest and really pound that so that way I'm hydrated next day. Yeah, I think that's one of the uh, big things that's missed um, a lot from a lot of competitors. They don't, they, they don't take that part of it seriously, um, especially the heavyweights and the super heavyweights. They have such a, uh, a big surface area compared to everybody else, so they're sweating out a lot more, and um, they're losing more electrolytes proportionately. And um, Absolutely. And you see super heavyweights and heavyweights burn out very quickly. And in a competition that's outside under the sun, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys that should have put on a lot better performances just like completely zapped after the first event because they have no clue about hydration and how they're just pouring out liters of water every five minutes. Absolutely. And that that's one thing I try to stress with my athletes, you know, is – hydration is always rule number one especially like after a weight cut oh my gosh after a weight cut i nothing makes me happier than when i see someone who cut a bunch of weight go in step on the scale and the first thing they do is they start eating it brings joy to my heart because they're doing it wrong i mean the fact that you think food holds priority over a water cut cracks me up yeah you're hungry but trust me your body needs fluid more than anything i mean yeah. i did a 22 pound water cut for welsh Strongest man in 2016 and i had had four liters in me before i even had my first meal yeah. i think it's a in the whole day um over iv stuff like that so it, it blows my mind that people are like yeah, and, and especially when they go they eat junk food like, oh, yeah, weigh-in, post weigh-ins, big, big burger with, you know, all this crap on it. And I'm like, wow, you're going to be so easy to beat tomorrow. Like, <laughs> you know, you're, just, you're pumping your digestive system that's been running on fucking overdrive, burning fat for energy. And you're plugging a burger down your throat and not carbs and just lean protein, you know, and, and soon as those those high thermogenic fats hit the system they're going to be full for freaking hours and they're going to get maybe three meals in for the whole day yeah and me i'm just going to be over here shaking my hands and giving myself high fives because you know i know it's going to be better than i expect tomorrow <laughs> can we get a video of that absolutely <laughs> right before uh, the, uh... The, the european guys came over they weighed in all these guys from wales and England and Ireland came for the world and they weighed in. The first place they went giant barbecue restaurant started drinking beer. I was like, oh boy, this is going to go a lot better than I thought it was going to go. And I ended up winning. I won World's Strongest Man in 2016 by 21 points. Nice. Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was a, it was the largest margin of victory at a world's competition. Wow, that's insane. I was just, uh, I think on the last, um, the last episode of uh, Get Strong or Die, I had uh, my brother on here, uh, Paul, and we were talking about um, the scoring in um, strongman competitions, and I hear a lot of people say, oh, I was close, you know, I was only one point away or half point away, and um, I argue that that's not close most of the time, because most competitions are won by, uh, you know, very, very small margins. That's why they have... Um, 
photo finishes and races and stuff. I mean, I don't think a half point on paper seems like a, a small margin, but in reality, it's it's usually a pretty big margin. But uh, twenty one points is <laughs> that is a huge <laughs> margin. It was a bit. It was a pretty big margin, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, um, I've had tons of uh, clients say, "Oh, I was close. I'm only two points behind him." I'm like, "Man, he you would have to, he would have to get fourth, and you would have to get first on the last event for you to barely beat him." Right. Like, not uh, you know that's talk to me when it's like an eight nine point margin of victory mm-hmm. i mean that that's impressive to me i mean if you can sweep a contest and have like a you know a huge margin of victory like that that's crazy oh yeah yeah <clears throat> but but i hear that i hear that a lot and you know i think it's it's probably good to, to maybe tell yourself that so that you're not as discouraged but in reality it's it's you know that's not close um, well, and the thing is, 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 is I tell my clients, if you didn't get first, you should be discouraged. Like, you should be hard on yourself because, you know, I'll always be proud of how you placed, but I don't ever want you to be satisfied with losing. Right. Like, oh, you know, I got second. I'm happy with that. It's like, are you, are, you ha- are you telling me that you're much more happier with second place than you would have been if you got first place? Like, come on, you know. Yeah. It's, it, it drives me crazy. I mean, Sean DeMarinas and I at the Dallas Europa, I don't know if you saw the final score sheet, but we were battling it all day. I mean, all day we were battling it out. Um, he ended up with 56 and a half points. I had 51 and a half, and I was pissed. And I think third place got 43 points. So it was like him and I all day. The yoke that can yoke got me, bitch. <laughs> yeah. So... You know, he had a like a five point margin victory, and that's not even close. He would have had to have totally bombed the last event, and me win it, which I did. Um, he got second or something like that, but I beat his ass in that event. So that was that was a that was a light contest, but it was a painful contest. Well, sometimes the light ones are the worst, man. Well, it's it's Brian Barrett. So I don't know if you've ever heard of a Brian Barrett contest, but this dude, he's the nicest human being on the planet. Great guy. He's also a lightweight pro, but he is the most sadistic planner of a contest you've ever seen in your life. So you, the Dallas Europa this year was the uh, first event was Max Log. So everybody's excited about Max Log. We're all super hyped about Max Log. And then the next event was Conan's Wheel. So you're like, okay, Conan's Wheel sucks. Well, after Conan's wheel, it was 600-pound deadlift for Rhett. Oh, man. With a technical deadlift bar. Okay. Sean and I tied that 12. So, like, and then right after that, it was a yoke sandbag medley and then stone over bar. So, you, yeah, you got your max log. Woohoo, have fun with that, boys. But I'm about to trash your lower body and your <laughs> low back. You know, it, it was like a 350 stone over bar, 600-pound deadlift for reps. I mean, Sean and I, after the contest, we're, me, him, and Anthony Furman are just hanging out. And we we all have these massive intentions of going out, which we did, but we were like, okay, when we get back to the hotel, we are going to take a nap or something. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I got to go to bed, you know? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> That's wild. Um, I, I tell you one thing that does drive me crazy about Strongman now. Um, and I notice it in one class more than the others. I notice in the female class. Um, just the, um, like, I think it's almost like a vacation for them. 
because they always cheer for every single person that goes <laughs> all the time. Like it, it blows my mind because I'm just like, you guys know you're competing against each other, right? Like it's just a bunch of friends hanging out. And I'm like, well, then what's the point? Like if you're not going to be competitive. What's the point? Like well, you can be nice and be competitive. And I'm like, well, no, but <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> well, no, you heard it here. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I mean, like, I love my friends, and when we compete together, I'll I'll always cheer for you. But I'm gonna be sitting my happy ass down in a chair, cheer for you. You know, I'll be like, good job, like high five or whatever. But I'm not gonna be up screaming and chasing you down the runway while you're carrying a yoke, saying, "Come on, Brittany, let's go!" <laughs> like, Jesus Christ, you know you have to go next, right? Okay, I'm just making sure you know that. <laughs> you know, do you want to run some forty-yard sprint before you go? I don't know. I know what I'm doing at my next competition. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just saying, you'll never see me up screaming and running around unless I've got like a forty-five point margin of victory over you. There's no way I'm cheering for you on an event, right. especially if we're neck and neck. If we're neck and neck. And I, I mean, if we're tied going into the last event, boy, you better hope I don't Tanya Harding your ass. I mean, I'm like, we'd be friends later. Like, I'm about to kill you right now. Don't look at me. Don't PayPal me. Don't Venmo me. Don't hit me up on Instagram or Twitter or any of that shit. Don't even look at me. I'll find, like Liam Neeson, I'll find you and your wife. Like, I'll come, I'll come get you. After the con, especially if I win, if I beat you, we're best friends. <laughs> if I beat you, we're gonna be best buddies for the rest of the night. I'm buying drinks. Come on, best friend. But if you beat me, ah, oh, my knee hurts. I'm tired. I gotta go to bed. <laughs> if if you win, you do the uh, the selfie with second place just to rub it in. <laughs> oh, oh, absolutely. <laughs> like shooter mcgavin and happy gilmore that's me i just want to win yeah hell yeah because <clears throat> i mean it, it's crazy to me that people say oh i just do this sport for fun i'm like you go into the gym and destroy your body for fun <laughs> for fun like when people are like it's not that serious i'm like it absolutely is every time you go into the gym you have a high risk of hurting yourself like hurting yourself bad especially when you're training for a contest like the ones you guys playing where you gotta like push that pole into another person. Jesus Christ. <laughs> when you would come out for I, that. Oh dude. Hey, uh, uh. <laughs> That's the one. Uh, who was it? In tonight? Was it 19? Uh, it was 1990. It was in between 92 and 96. Uh, one of the dudes, I think they did that. And he tore his bicep or something like that. In the pole push event. Uh, yeah, I think it was Gary Taylor from Wales. I'm not sure. My my brother would yeah. know. He's he's like a encyclopedia on this stuff. He tore his bicep. I don't want to do that. <laughs> you haven't torn one yet. I haven't had any injuries. I thought I thought that was the requirement to go pro. Shut your face! <laughs> not gonna look. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> Every time I do curls, like I'll like feel like ding, and I'm like, whoa, you know. <clears throat> I'd rather just poop my pants every workout than pull something. 
Is is that a is that a Terry Rady secret you gave away there that um you're one of the strong men that still do curls? Oh, dude, I'm I I go into the gym. Here's a Terry Rady secret. You want to know how to be a Terry Rady? Go into the gym. Your main lift, depending on the percentage, would be either low reps uh, or high reps. You know, if it's on the lower end of the spectrum on the percentage wise, I'll either do low reps, high sets, or high reps, low sets. But it'll always be time and for speed. And then as I get heavier, like upwards of 80%, then it's like low sets, low reps. Then I'll hit a second movement, like an accessory press or, you know, an accessory squat, like pause squats. And then after that, I'm a bodybuilder. I do four sets of 12, 15, 20, three sets of 30. It doesn't matter. I train like a bodybuilder, slow controlled, you know. Yeah, I mean, that's the best way to keep your joints healthy. It's the best way to prevent your muscles from tearing. There's absolutely no reason to go in and do heavy bench, heavy incline, heavy log press, heavy dumbbell bench, heavy incline dumbbell. Like, I, it makes zero sense to me. Mm-hmm. You can get the same amount of work done without having to train like a dumbass. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people, uh, a lot of people don't realize, um, there's like a beginner phase, an intermediate phase, and an advanced phase in their training. And it's easy to uh, start out and do something like a uh, starting strength program or like a strongest five by five where you're you're literally overhead pressing, squatting, and, and, and uh, deadlifting heavy three days a week. And then they want to continue that. But when when you're deadlifting 700 pounds, it's tough to it's tough to deadlift eighty percent of that three days a week. <laughs> Man, you're telling me. God, I did six thirty five for fours yesterday, and then I was at a gym in some random town, and the gym owner was like, "Dude, please pull seven hundred. No one's pulled it in here." And I was like, "All right, put it on the bar." And then pulled seven hundred. <laughs> oh my god, that's so heavy. I was like, Jesus. 635 for a bunch of stuff four and then 700 for a single. I was like, I'm out of commission for the rest of the fucking week. I'm, I'm done. You know, <laughs> I got, a, I got a lot on Friday and I've been like rubbing my body in Epsom salts, hoping this pain goes away. <laughs> oh God. You know, it, it's rough. I, I, I rarely go over 85%, like rarely. Yeah. I think that that's one of the, um, so we've had a lot of uh, pros um, come out and do seminars at the gym. Uh, we've had Martins, Phil Fister, um, Ode Haugen, um Brittany Diamond. Hold on, wait, wait, wait. Can I can I say my Phil Fister joke? Yeah, sure. Okay. Say Phil Fister. What's that? Say Phil Fister. Phil Fister. Fist him. I barely know him. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I'm I usually gonna... say I usually I usually say uh, Fister. I barely know her, but I didn't want to offend any women. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my god, I came up with that gym one day and laughed for like three hours. You haven't you haven't told him this yet, right? Abs- I would never look that man in the face and do that. Are you kidding me? Yeah, this is terrifying. <laughs> But uh, you've had a bunch of pros out there. Yeah, I, I've seen that, and they don't lift over eighty five percent ever. Um, you know, a lot of them didn't talk about percentages, but what they did say was, and this was pretty. Um, 
I think they've all said this. I can't remember anybody that contradicted this. Um, they said they don't train in training with the competition weights. Um, you know, un unless it's an exceptionally light show or unless like um, Phil Fister specifically said if it was a grip event that he would do like a Hercules hold with competition weight. But he also had the strongest hands ever. So, you know, that would make some sense. Do you think he had stronger hands than Taro Mitt? Um, Taro Mitt has the Hercules whole world record. That's true. Um, I think that would be close. Uh, and but, I don't think it's that Taro's hands were strong. I just think it's that they were so large. He covered so much surface. Yeah, that, that's true. Like Mark Felix, have you seen how big his names are? Yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> it is the scariest thing ever. Yeah, dude. So, uh, not a fan. Felix is just scary in general. He's like, man, how he old? He doesn't age. Yeah, how old is he now? And he's I don't like, know, a thousand? He's like a wizard. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and he just hangs out with like dudes half his age and is like, yeah, I can lift that. <laughs> yeah. I, dude, I love it. I mean, he he look he's looked the same since 2004. Like, I mean, he has an age today. Yeah, but uh, whereas Terry Holland looks like he's been hit by a bus. <laughs> I mean, he should have a big contest, and he's like, Whoa, you know, <laughs> yeah, he's ripped now though. Yeah, but I don't know. He likes to wear them thong swimsuits, and I ain't about that. I don't know. <laughs> Not about that. You're, you're waiting for your uh, when you get in the 300 pound class to do that, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I'll do anything if the price is right. Whatever you do, but be, to do it in public, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, those most of those guys um, said they don't really do the competition weights um, in training uh, because it's you know it's so ridiculously heavy, and and they're training for those events. But they just don't do it. So I think, you know, 85% is probably right along the same lines of what they're saying, you know? Right. Well, and, and the thing is, like, let's, you know, there's not a tremendous difference between 900 and 1,000 pounds on a yoke, honestly. Yeah. I've walked both, and they both felt equally as shitty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, and, and honestly, no, no matter the amount of drugs, the amount of food or anything like that, doing events like heavy yoke, like a thousand pound yoke, that wrecks you mm -hmm. for like a week. I mean, you know, and especially at the level we're at now, you know, where the yokes are getting up to like 12, 1300 pounds, it, it trashes you. So there's no point in doing it. You know, they put show you, there's other things you can do that are going to prepare you for a heavy yoke, you know? So yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe. I hit contest weight one time in training, and it's spread out. Like, I'll do contest weights farmer one weekend, and then the next weekend I'll do, like, contest weight yoke. Yeah. Yeah, and that's, that's a smart approach because then you're you're, you're kind of, you're mixing it up and you're not getting the same kind of damage week after week because, like you said, it'll take you at least 10 days to come back from, like, a, a huge yoke or even... Even farmers walk. I mean, dude, if I do a if I do like a close to max effort farmers walk, I'll feel that for, I mean, like two weeks. Oh man, last week I worked up and hit three fifty a hand, 
and I'm telling you what, for like three or four days, my ankles and knees felt like dust. Yeah. I was like, there's, there's nothing there anymore. I mean, I've just got, I now have a cankle. Like my <laughs> ankle's gone, my shin shifted down, and now I have a cankle. Like it's just, that's what happened. It buried me into the ground. <laughs> and then, and, you know, in my knees, all the meniscus, everything is just gone, you know. So it's just got squished out of me. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's brutal. And, and But this week, the way I made it difficult, or, you know, Mike Mestel, who helps me, um, does my programming, the way we made it difficult is now I'll do light tape, but for a longer run. So the weight won't be as heavy, but I can still get a yeah. good amount of, you know, work in. Yeah, and I think that's something that um, a lot of the people, um, you know, especially on the amateur level, they don't do the light moving events. They want to pile the weight on and do it. But a lot of you guys, I mean, <clears throat> you guys are so damn fast. And you're not going to get fast if you're doing this, hey, I'm going to put 1,000 pounds on and 16 knee wraps on my leg and hobble 10 feet. Like, you're never going to build any kind of um, actual movement pattern or, or, or any kind of speed doing that. No, and, and that's the one thing I tell clients. The best way to get faster at a yoke is to do the yoke faster. best way to get faster performance is to do the farmers faster. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I use time goals. So let's say we're doing 60 feet farmers carries. I don't care how heavy you go. As long as every single run you do is under eight seconds. Yeah. yeah. So you have control over the weight, but if that shit's over eight seconds. You've left up, you know, that's on you. So it's going to be under eight seconds. So you pick the weight. I don't care. Just make sure it's under eight seconds. Yeah, I believe um, Martine's uh, Lysis actually trains very similar to that as well. And, um, I mean... What does he know? I mean, he's pretty fast. <laughs> what, what does he know about winning Conan's wheels and going to World's Strongest Man? You know, uh, what does he know? He, he's only good at moss wrestling. <laughs> yeah, he's a one-trick pony. <clears throat> Speaking of moss yeah. wrestling, so what, what does Terry Rady think about moss wrestling? think a damn thing about it i never think about it because i ain't never doing it <laughs> um, I, I i i don't it's strong man man every event's different everybody has a weird event and moss wrestling can be a part of strong man you know i i don't see the purpose i don't see the point um i think it's silly but whatever. I mean, you're you're killing me. If I want to watch two things fight over a stick, I would throw a stick in the middle of two like pit bulls. That's more entertaining to me than two human beings hunched over. No, oh, who can get this wooden stick? My <laughs> stick. I am king of the stick. You don't think there's something uh, like primitively satisfying about yanking a stick from another person's hands? No, because I I would be more satisfied taking candy from a baby. A stick, because at least I get candy at the end of it. <laughs> you know. Well, maybe that can no. be the next one. We'll use a uh, a candied stick, and then Terry Rady's all in. <laughs> I'm in. You use like a nerd's rope, boy. <laughs> a nerd's rope, and I'll I'll mess you up. Um. So no, tell I... so tell us a little bit about your um your online training. How long have you been um How long have you been taking clients? Uh, for like the last two years, three years, um, and it's it's getting. I've learned a lot 
degree from a lot of professional level, elite level power lifters, professional strongman. Uh, Charles Polkman, you know, studied a lot on his methods. Um, you know, the mountain dog, John Meadows. Um, just, just researching and reading what these amazing athletes have done and then getting amazing coaches from the best athletes in the world and just combining all that and being able to identify weaknesses in a person and being able to do what I've learned to implement to better suit their training because no one's the same. Right. Every I take the cookie cutter program. Um, but yeah, it's it's just learning and having knowledge passed on to me. And I, I honestly love coaching more than I do competing. I'll be truthful. Like I, I really enjoy coaching. So. That's cool. Um a, a lot of people you don't, you know, think that way and they um they'd much rather compete and uh I think usually <clears throat> They should at least be equal because your um, your passion for the coaching will definitely show in your work, you know. And if you're if you're passionate about it, then people will get really good programs and see really solid results. And, yeah, and you know, like I, my client base is becoming more and more exclusive. So uh, I coach Brittany Elliott. Uh, she's a pro strong woman, and I coach Brian Benzel. He's a pro strongman. He's competed at Worlds. Josh Reynolds is also a pro strongman. Um, but, you know, it's it's the client base is getting smaller and more, you know, refined because people, you know, I, I've, I've so much in the support of people and all of these knowledgeable guys that my training's really good. So and I take a lot of effort into it. I put a lot of time into it. Yeah. So, you know, um, I, I think John Reynolds is someone that's going to go to ASM this year and do a lot of damage. Oh, yeah, he's super um, strong, yeah. Yeah, and he finally got his pro card at the I think he's going to go to ASM, and I think he's going to absolutely destroy people. Because I, I see what he does in training, and people should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I see it every day. Like, he'll send me a video, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? I mean, he hit a 450 bar overhead. And he threw it up so fast that he like lost balance and fell backward. I mean, it was like violent. I was, who the shit are you? You know? Hell yeah. So tell us, tell us um, some. Do you have any good nightmare client stories or any any pet peeves or? Okay, here's a nightmare client story. No name drop. Name drop names. Okay, okay. I was coaching a guy and his wife. Um, he had brought her on after he had been with me for like two months. And then, um, so, uh, I started coaching her and after about a month, she began texting me more and more and more past coaching stuff. Like, how's your day? Blah, 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 blah. And then randomly one day I had a very, uh, illicit picture of her on my text messages when I woke from my slumber. <laughs> and that was the most uncomfortable conversation I've ever had with a man in, in my life about telling him that his wife nudes. Uh, <laughs> twist. He said, it's cool, we're swingers if you're down. So that was my, <laughs> my story. <laughs> I uh, had to distance myself from that. I was like, well, 
Oh, I think I left my dog in the microwave or something. I don't know. I gotta go. Gotta get out of this. Um, but yeah, it, it's a that was a. Oof. So um, let me get this straight. So you don't want nudes. You you might want to um, just delete that text message from me before you even open it. Okay. No, your nudes are fine. <laughs> okay. All right. Dude, all right. I, I hang out with Rob Kearney, okay? Come on now. <laughs> yeah, well, fair enough. <laughs> oh, man, that was so much fun. Rob and I went to, you know, I mean, I'm sure you saw, we went to New York Drive together. Yeah, yeah. And either people thought we were a couple or whatever. It was, I, I feel like my, I should have been wearing, wearing like a name tag around that said, I'm heterosexual. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like girls. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah. That was every every time. Are you gay? Nope. Not even close. Well, why are you a gay pride? Why are you? Pride? You know? <clears throat> well, <laughs> hey, hey, maybe they're into you. I mean, there, there's always, that's another option for you if, you know. <laughs> well, no, my thing is, you know, if a gay billionaire comes up to me and says, I'll pay for your, your lifestyle if you just, you know, live with me and be gay, I'm like, all right, man, whatever. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> All right. So Terry Rady you know, can be bought. Can I have girlfriends on the side? Is that cool? You know? Yeah. You heard it here. Terry Rady can be bought. <laughs> I can be bought. And that's the thing. I, you know, people are going to be like, man, that's gay. And I'm like, you know what's not gay? This $2 million yacht that has my name on the side of it. That's not gay. And you know, but you know what is gay? You're not allowed on my yacht. How's that feel? Super gay. <laughs> You know, there you go. <laughs> you can hate on me while I piss on these hundred dollar bills. That's what I'm saying. You know. Yeah. And be bought to so all you rich gaming out there. <laughs> all right. So if uh, if people are looking for training um, from Terry Rady, what's the best way to um, contact you about this? Uh, Instagram. So you can follow me at Terry Brady, um, and. There, there will be a link there for my email. My website's in the making right now, um, but there'll be a link and you can shoot me an email or you can just direct message me. I'm pretty accessible. So, Cool. Um, yeah, so if you're interested in uh, training with Terry Rady, hit him up on Instagram. Um, just It's just in, uh, Terry Rady or Terry.Rady. Or... Terry Rady. I'm the only Terry Rady in the world. <laughs> or I'll take your word for it. <laughs> True. You can, you, can, you can Google it. <laughs> All right. Um, well, do you want to leave us with anything before we go here? You got any um, yeah. advice yeah, for the young anybody, bucks? To anybody out there listening, man, here's the deal. Don't Just don't be afraid of losing, okay? Losing is the best thing that's going to ever happen to you in this sport. Getting your ass kicked is amazing. And here, here's why I say that. It, when I won my first that I didn't lose a contest for two years. Every single contest I did, I won. And, and honestly, I started burnt out. So don't be afraid to go to a contest. You need that kick. You need that fire. First contest I lost in that period was um, 2017, 1.5 kilo world's first man. I got sixth. And after that, it lit a fire under my so hard that the next contest that I did, which was the Arnold, 
I wrecked every single person there. I mean, it was a good contest. And the next contest after that, the only person that beat me was three-time America's Strongest Man, Sean D. Marinas. So don't be afraid to lose. It's good to lose. It's good to learn. Okay, I lost this contest. My upper back's weak. Let's build the upper back. Don't be afraid to lose. It's the best thing that's ever going to happen to you. So don't piss out on a contest as someone stronger than you. That's absolutely absurd. All right, you heard it that's- here. <laughs> Terry Race, Terry Rady, uh, spitting some truth bombs over here, and um, I, I wholeheartedly agree. I think um, you got to get out there and uh, you know throw down and see what you got, and if it's not good enough, you know, get better. Absolutely. <clears throat> All right. Uh, this has been John the Viking Mauser with Terry Rady and the Get Strong or Die podcast. We'll catch you next time. <laughs>